So welcome into the Backroads Podcast. This is the week 15 edition or playoff uh, edition number four. We just finished up the state semifinals. And I'm Craig Spear with the Happy Sports Network and PressPassports.com. And I'm Bobby Brown, Texas 1A fan. Well, Bobby, I didn't tell you before the show, but uh, this show is all about the greatness of people whose first name is Craig. I was just going to get that out there <laughs> very quickly for you. All right. OK, well, I'm glad you <laughs> let me know that. So we had our state semifinals going on in uh, Class A, and we're going to start things off with interviewing one of the winners of those ball games, and that is the number one ranked May Tigers. So we want to welcome in the uh, head coach for the May Tigers, the great Craig Steele. Coach, welcome in. Appreciate it. Thank you all for having me. So, Coach, your Tigers survived last night against the Abbott Panthers 50-48 to in what Bobby calls an incredible game. Talk about that victory first off and uh, getting out of that game against Abbott in a, in a game that I think a lot of people thought you guys were going to really dominate. Talk about how close that game was and uh, how you guys responded there in the fourth quarter to win it. I think Abbott is, it was a flying under the radar because of their schedule. Um, it's hard to tell how good they were. It did not take long into the game for us to figure out how good they were. Um, they're a very good football team, very well coached, very fundamentally sound. And um, we found ourselves in a position we hadn't really been in this year, and that's down in the fourth quarter. I thought our kids responded very well to it. Um, There's no panic. They knew they had a job to do, and they went out and did it. So talk about the play of, you know, Bobby and I talk about it all the time, the play of Avery Williford. Eight tackles in the ballgame, six of those for a loss. He can flat out take over a game defensively. Is that something that you game plan for, or does he just flat out take a game over by himself? Well, part of that is uh, is the position he plays within our defense, and that that lends itself. The position he plays lends itself to an opportunity for tackles for loss who play right. And um, he does at times. He does take over a game defensively, and those tackles for loss are huge for us to to keep our opponent in a bad down and distance. Um, and and even with those, you know, Abbott still find ways to make plays on long downs and. Um, it was a little frustrating, but, uh, yeah, he, he did a good job defensively. Um, a lot of those plays that he makes, his teammates are, are helping him have that, be put in that position to make that play. So um, he did have a great game last night, though. And he really, he really stepped up and carried us a little bit down the stretch. We had some kids banged up. Our other running backs were banged up. We've had a gauntlet of a schedule the last three weeks, just, just real tough. And uh, we're pretty banged up right now, so we're going we're gonna to enjoy the week and a half of rest if we can get healed up a little bit. Yeah, so talk about it. you guys are going now. You've been state runner-ups three years now, looking for a state title for the first time since 1977. Obviously, any state title uh, to try and capture is a big one, but does this one mean just a little bit extra to finally get that monkey off your back and become state champions? Yeah, we certainly want to do that. That's been a, a motivating factor for us for a while. You know, last year, um, it didn't go the way we wanted to. We didn't uh, – we didn't play as well as we wanted to. A lot of that was due to Sterling City, but still, we didn't play very well. And we, we definitely want to go in and put our best foot forward and give ourselves a chance to win a state championship. So tell us a little bit about the matchup here at State for 2021 against the Westbrook Wildcats. Um, you know, I, I've been watching uh, Westbrook today uh, before this, and um, they're, they're all the combinations you don't like to see. They're big and they're fast. They can run. They can throw. Um so they present they present quite a challenge. A very athletic team, very skilled team. Pretty much everything you look for in a football team, they've got it. So definitely have our work cut out for us. Um, we want to have to play good football and take care of the football and, and hopefully get a turnover or two. We've been good at that this year. So um, those are the things that's going to have to happen for us to have a chance to beat them. Well, we've talked about Avery Williford. 
can you tell us a few of the other players that have gotten you to where you are right now? Well, I, I was talking with the, well, I, when I go home at night after a football game, uh, nobody's, nobody's asleep. My family's waiting for me. You know, my son's a freshman on the team. My daughter's a cheerleader, a senior cheerleader. So everybody's awake and we talk about the game. And I just, I found it interesting that we've had in the last three playoff wins, three different leading rushers. Uh, Blake Hare was our leading rusher against Jonesboro. Caden Howard was our leading rusher against Water Valley, and Avery was last night. Um, so we have we have we have multiple kids that can get it done on a given night, especially if some others are banged up, like it was last night. So, um, and and we've got some kids that have really developed into roles that were JV kids last year that have stepped up, like Luke McKenzie at quarterback. Um, he's just progressively gotten better and better and better. And it's not about his passing stats; it's about the it's about controlling the line of scrimmage, recognizing blitz. And, and then his blocking has just uh, – he's been fantastic. And Damian Salinas is a, is a kid that's great on defense. Uh, I asked him to move to end this year. He's been a running back his whole life. Um, it's not comfortable for him. He's just gotten better and better as the years have gone on. And then, you know, we lost our starting center against Water Valley to a torn ACL. So this week we worked Damian Summit center too. And uh, in the second half I moved him to center. And uh, that's not normal to do stuff like that. But uh, Damian really stepped up and did a great job for us. And um, I mean, we got a lot of kids that have stepped up. Um, Casey King does a great job for us kicking. Um, he's having to play a bigger role on defense now. So, you know, I could go on. We have we, we rotate quite a few kids in. So, we're pr- proud of our depth that we've developed. Um, a lot of those are young kids. We played a couple freshmen last night that that played pretty well. So, uh, we're pretty happy with our depth, and we're going to need it. I think uh, I think coming up against Westbrook. Prayers go out to Brian Kunkel. I know that he got hurt early in the Water Valley game, and that's that's really upsetting. Um, so yeah, we luck. hope that he's he's going to be up and going before long. No, uh, he was there last night walking around. I mean, he's a he's a super tough kid, uh, a great young man, and and you know he's not down in the dumps about it. He's our biggest cheerleader last night, and uh, we miss him. But uh, you know we have a next man up mentality, and and that's what we did. You know. And, Jackson Eastling came in, did a great job the first half at center, and then we moved Damian there and then had to replace kids for Damian's spot on the line, and the kids did that. So I'm super proud of them last night. You know, a lot of kids stepping up that maybe don't play as often as, as some of the starters, but, man, they, they did the job for us last night. You talked about Damian Salinas. I was on the on your sidelines against Water Valley. That's a kid that he's not the biggest or the fastest on the field, but he looked like he was having a blast the entire time he played football. And, it just seemed like he absolutely loves playing the six-man game. Did I read that right? Yeah, he's uh, he doesn't have bad days. Uh, that kid's happy all the time. He's always smiling. He's got a great attitude, and he does love playing football. You know, normally he plays corner, so he plays on one side of the field, and yet he's our leading tackler for the year. So that just tells you about the kind of effort that he puts forth every game. Um, he's one of those kids, he's exhausted after every game. Uh Sometimes he's slow to get up. I mean, he's, he gets beat up, but, man, he's in on everything. And if there's a chance for him to get in on a tackle, he's going to get there. Yeah, he, he looked the same last night, too. I mean, he had a pep in his step. <laughs> yeah, he, he enjoys playing football. He, and it's infectious, you know, his attitude and his efforts infectious for the kids. Uh, he's, he's an important player for us, for sure. Talk about your Tiger program because you guys have been successful now for a long time. What is it you think you've instilled there in that program that's made them so successful over the years? I, th- I think just a work ethic, um, and, and I think the kids know what's expected of them. We're, we're fortunate that we – and this is going to sound weird, but we have a really great peewee program. And um, 
And I really believe that that peewee program, uh, the guys that coach it, um, I coached it for a while when my son was that age. My DC coaches it now, you know, his son's that age. And then we've got some guys from the community that coach. And um, the guy that really heads it up doesn't have a kid in the fight. He just enjoys coaching. And um, they run the same stuff we run. They teach it the same way we teach it. And so when we get kids at junior high, we're able to move faster than maybe some other people are. And I think that that bleeds over. And and because they're successful, our kids are used to winning. They expect to win. Um, uh, not winning is, for them, not acceptable. So and I, I think that's bled over in everything. And then, you know, we just – we really want them to understand – how important a work ethic is, uh, paying attention to detail, being on time, all those things that's going to make you a successful adult later on in life. That's the stuff we're trying to instill in our kids uh, in our program. I, I think it uh, I think it allows us to beat people sometimes that maybe we shouldn't beat because of that. And talk about having to coach your son, Braden. How much <laughs> – how much fun is that on the sideline? Or do you look over sometimes and, and you you feel like you're being way more hard on him than you are other players? I, I probably am. I probably am harder on him. But like I said, I, I coach him. I coach him all the way up in Pee Wee. Um, he's a he's got the the the. It's gonna sound terrible. He's got the best parts of me and his mom, and he's got the worst parts of me and his mom. And uh, he's a very headstrong kid. Um, uh, he's very smart about football. He, he he's a he's a film junkie. He loves watching film, and uh, you know when he walks up to me and says, "Hey hey hey, this will work," I listen because he really is. He's a smart kid, and he, he sees a lot about what's going on out there. And he was in my ear last night in that fourth quarter. And, oh, no, run this! No no no, run this! I didn't listen to him. Maybe I should have, but uh, no, it, it it has its ups and downs. You know, any any coach son relationship uh, has its ups and downs, but. I'm thrilled to have him out there. I'm thrilled that he's going to get a chance to play in a state championship game. I mean, he's been on the sideline for him as a manager, but now he's going to get to play in it. So it's it's a special time for me and him. That is so awesome. I love to hear that. Well, Coach Steele, best of luck to your May Tigers. You played December 15th against the Westbrook Wildcats. Uh, best of luck, and uh, appreciate you joining us here on a Sunday, especially after playing last night. We do really appreciate you coming on the podcast with us. Yeah. Thanks, guys. So, Bobby, great to have Coach Steele on his May Tigers take out Abbott 50-48 to 48 in a game that you were at, and you just say that it's a game that you won't forget anytime soon. No, it definitely isn't. It was like a chess match. Um, there were so many adjustments made in that game, and I can say for sure that Coach Terry Crawford had those Abbott Panthers ready for every move that the May Tigers made. And, you know, we, we discuss May Tigers with Coach Dill, their size. They are, you know, they're they're brutal on, on defense. I mean, they'll just take you out. But Abbott was prepared for that. And uh, I have to – I don't think I've ever described a defense like this, but they were like spider monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> they, they gang tackled. They were always there. They were ready for everything that May threw at them. And it, it, they were just all over the field all at once. It was, it was, it was awesome defense. I haven't seen de defense like that in a long time. And it definitely worked. That game was, you know, one coach would make an adjustment. The other coach would make a, a, an adjustment to the adjustment. And it just went back and forth the entire game. It was such a well-played game on both sides. Well, that's two uh, highly decorated coaches there, and Coach Craig Steele and Terry Crawford going to, going to bow. And you talked about that Abbott defense. Joy Pavelka, the freshman, 
Yeah, not a senior. The freshman, 18 tackles against May. Uh, this is what surprised me. Robert Munoz, 18 carries, 246 yards and four touchdowns. When's the last time somebody had over 225 yards against May? I'd love to see that. And then Isaiah Singleton and Riley Sestala, junior and freshman, a touchdown each. So things looking really, really good in Abbott land as we move forward. Uh, for the May Tigers, we talked about Avery Williford, 19 carries, 141 yards and three touchdowns. Caden Hawk got hurt, Harold got hurt, and so he had to step up, and boy, did he. He also had uh, 57 yards receiving a touchdown. Eight tackles. Yes, six of those, Bobby. Six of them tackles for loss. Amazing. And then Caden Hawk, uh, before getting injured there in that first half, 13 carries, 120 yards, and a three touchdowns. The May Tigers take out Abbott 50 to 48. Yeah. Uh, you know, Williford, he he has the ability to take over a game defensively. And then last night he proved that he could take it over offensively as well, but he did have very good blockers, but you know, he's a stout kid and he would just rather run over you than, than run around you. And he did an outstanding job last night. So a good job there. So the May Tigers, one of the two teams in the division one uh, state finals that they're going to have December 15th played at 11 o'clock at Jerry's World there in Arlington. Uh, we're not going to talk about the other game. We'll move on to Division 2. Oh, no, I, I can't do that, can I, Bobby? No, you can't skip over it. Sorry. Yeah. And I'm right. sorry if it's too soon. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I tell you what, hats off to Coach Homer Matlock and the Westbrook Wildcats. They beat my happy Cowboys 54-20. to 20. Uh, Cedric Ware in this game, super, super impressive. 22 carries. 258 yards and seven touchdowns. Yes, seven. Uh, 69 yards receiving. Jimmy Roberts, uh, the size of a Mack truck, eight carries for 78 yards. And Shama Stark, five of 13 through the air for 129 yards and a touchdown. For the Cowboys, Pace Bressler, 18 carries, 71 yards and a touchdown. He also had a passing touchdown. Camden Spirit, 10 of 19, 177 and a touchdown. And Kyton Johnson, a really good game on the receiving end for the Cowboys. Five receptions. For 104 yards. This game, I know it ended up 54 to 20. It really was much closer than that. Uh, and I'll kind of go through that with the listeners real quick. Um, Cowboys were down eight to six in this ball game, unable to convert a, a short fourth down. Westbrook comes back and scores off of that. Uh, they were up 32 to 12 at right before halftime. The Cowboys threw what they thought was a touchdown in the back of the end zone that was ruled out of play so that's where we went to at halftime and I really thought that Westbrook may be able to put the game away I give credit to the Cowboys they fought back uh, they held Westbrook on the first possession went down and scored then got an interception were in position to go in and score again which would have made it one score game uh, but they got stopped on a fourth down and let me tell you Cedric Ware every time the Cowboys thought they were going to do something Ware answered he took one to the house uh, in that ball game, and he really was the difference in this one. So uh, congratulations to the Westbrook Wildcats winning that one 54 to 20. So how hard was that to call that game? Oh, so hard. I, I you know, I tell people all the time, it, it's, I love calling the games. I absolutely love calling the games. Win or lose, I love to tell the story. But when your son is playing, it just gets so much more difficult. And uh, I even found myself, and, and I could kick myself afterwards, you know, uh, broadcaster's remorse or whatever you want to call it. It's a little rough on him in the ball game. And, uh, you know, I, 
he didn't play as bad as I was trying to describe it. And I guess that's the dad in me trying not to be, you know, uh, Hey, look at my kid. And sometimes I think I end up going the other way. And so <laughs> it, it is tough, but uh, man, I wouldn't want to do anything else. It's probably the only thing that keeps me from having a heart attack, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I can't see you sitting in the stands. <laughs> I don't think that would work. It wouldn't trust me. It would not work. <laughs> Coach Perryman probably would not appreciate it. <laughs> well, you know, the happy Cowboys, they had an outstanding season outstanding you know top four in the state that's nothing to sneeze at but you know those westbrook wildcats we're going to see how they match up against the may tigers and we'll talk about that here in just a little bit yeah i know we will westbrook was uh, i thought very impressive like i say where in roberts uh, we called them thunder and lightning coming into the ball game and that's exactly what they were uh, and hats off to coach matlock i thought they did an outstanding job in that ball game winning 54 to 20. So let's move down to Division Two then, and there's two semifinals going on there. And the first one took place actually Thursday, and you were at this ballgame. Motley County ranked number one all season long, and they proved why they defeat the Klondike Cougars 66-20. to 20. They did, and I'm here to tell you, you know, I've watched Klondike play several times this year, and the team in the first, even the second quarter was not the Klondike Cougars I have been accustomed to seeing on the field. And I don't know if that was nerves, jitters, or what that was, but um, they did not come out like they normally do. But hats off to Bigham's Matadors. My goodness. They made great tackles. They had great blocks. Degan and Richards did what they do. They look like track stars out there. Broke tackles and went right into the end zone. And then they stuffed Klondike on defense almost every play. So there's not a lot you can do about that. No, definitely. And you know, Coach Bigham, boy, he just he has that team playing so well every single year. Uh, but you know, you talked about Klondike. Hats off to Coach DeGraff and Reed. I think they made it to a spot in the playoffs that nobody really expected. I think a lot of folks thought it might be Antner Follett. Klondike was always ranked up there, but you never really heard them talked about being in that final four. So hats off to them. Uh, yeah. I thought they had an outstanding season. Oh, they definitely did. And um, they actually have some, some younger kids playing on both sides of the ball. And I expect that they will be really good next year as well. One of those being a freshman, Truett Thixton, um, he did win uh, the Texas 1A fan helmet sticker because he was a beast. He did his job that night, and um, I know DeGraffenried is going to be very happy that he has him for three more years. Definitely. Well, on the other side of the bracket to face the Motley County Matadors on uh, December 15th at 2 o'clock was the winner between Strawn and Richland Springs, I think a game that a lot of people were looking forward to. That one was held. Friday night there in Dublin and Strawn comes out victorious in this one 100 to 54 and the stats out of this one are just eye-opening uh for Richland Springs Jaden Bryant was a good ball player uh, 157 yards rushing three touchdowns he also three threw three touchdowns in this ball game had nine and a half tackles Zane Caps two receptions 59 yards and a touchdown but let's go to the Strawn side Grayson <laughs> Rigney the freshman 22 carries 292 yards, six touchdowns. Uh, he also had 52 yards passing. Uh, his brother, Griff Rigdon, 10 carries, 191 yards, and four touchdowns. 
And then the guy we all know through uh, Texas six, Lorenzo Garcia, 12 carries, 57 yards and two touchdowns. Strawn racked, racked up 630 yards of total offense as Coach Lee and his Greyhounds move on one more time to the state title game to take on Motley County by defeating Richland Springs. And this is a game you were at, Bobby. Tell us about it. Oh, boy. It's hard to explain. It's one of those games where there were just so many um, breath-catching moments <laughs> that you're just like, did I just see that happen? I mean, I watched Grayson Rigdon twice, not once, but twice, backpedal over eight yards into the end zone carrying three coyotes. I've never seen a freshman in my entire life who did that. And he couldn't get it going forward, so he just flipped around and backpedaled and powered his way in. I'm telling you, he he is a he's a force to be reckoned with. He just pretty much takes over the game. Of course, he has a lot of people around him to help. You know, they have um, Caden Parsons, the six seven quarterback. Wow. Yes, and he's extremely athletic. And then we have Griff. And then you have Lorenzo. One, one thing that was really smart on Strawn's part is when they got down to fourth and two or fourth and three, uh, they'd give the ball to Lorenzo. I mean, he's built like a brick house. Mm-hmm. There was nobody stopping him. And he's got a low center of gravity and a really good balance. And he would just barrel it in there. And, you know, Richland Springs is not, they're not small. They aren't small players. They're built like brick houses too. And they just, they just couldn't get it done. Um, Strawn had too many weapons and you talked about Jaden Bryant. Let me tell you, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him in track because that kid, he gets a step on you and no one could catch him. He is extremely fast for the Richland Springs Coyotes. Yeah, he, he has racked up a lot of rushing yards this year for the Cows. So, uh, Richland Springs falls in that one, 100 to 54. And you, you know, said it, over 4,000 people at this game, according to the staff at Dublin ISD. Yes, I was up in the press box. I was helping broadcast uh, the both the Strawn, Richland Springs, and then May Abbott games with uh, Michael McClure. And we were sitting next to the PA announcer and the scoreboard. And, um, you know, I should have looked this up. I keep forgetting, but the guy who the field is named after he coached at Dublin forever. And he actually retired not too long ago. And he was up there in the press box with us. And, and he was telling us how incredible it was that there were over 4,000 people who came to that game on Friday night. And, I I believe it because both stands were full and those are very large stands. Both stands were completely full. And then there were fitness hangers around the entirety of the field. You look over, you could look out the press box window across the field and see the concession stand and the line was backed up to the stands. I mean, it was, there were so many people there and boy, did they get a treat watching that game because it was just a, it was a great game. Another yeah, one a, that I'll remember. Yeah, that's amazing. And you talked about it, and I want to bring this up. Hats off to Dublin. The outstanding facilities that they had there, uh, great host. Um, and I believe that was, I believe you said on the uh, broadcast between May and Abbott, because they hosted a doubleheader. They had Strawn and Richmond Springs Friday night. They had May and Abbott on Saturday night. But I believe you said 
that this was the second year that the uh, stadium had been built with a European track around it. Yes, yes. So it makes it shorter and fatter. And <laughs> I can uh, resemble that one. <laughs> uh, Stephen actually texted me. I didn't want to say this on the air in the broadcast, but I'll say it now because it was funny. Um, you know, we all joke, we're adults. So he said, is Michael calling Europeans fat? Well, <laughs> no, he wasn't, but he was trying to <laughs> describe the track and you know, it's a subtle difference, but it's a difference nonetheless. And I thought, you know, I had questioned whether that would make the relays, the handoffs and things different. And thank you. Shout out to Jeb Dixon from Oglesby. He actually messaged me and said that the track at Dublin is exactly the same layout as the track in Austin they run state at. Hmm. And I did not know that. Interesting. It is very. And so, yeah, shout out to Dublin. Uh, I felt like I was getting a redo because, you know, last year we went and May played Blum on one day and then Strawn played Richland Springs the next day. So we got a redo this year, just, uh, you know, three of the four teams were playing again. So, um, it kind of, it did, it felt like a redo, but it was great, great atmosphere, excellent facilities. And here's something that we didn't talk about. Not only were they having these two huge six minute playoff games, but they were also having a basketball tournament at the same time. Wow. So trying to get out of the facility was um, challenging, but they had police and DPS there to help direct traffic, and it didn't take long at all to get out of the facility. So um, shout out to Dublin. They do it upright. That's awesome. And we've got tons of news and notes about certain things, and one of those comes from the Strawn Richland Springs games. A certain individual was seen on the Strawn sideline who – gave a really rousing pregame speech, and that would be the one and only Booby Miles, yes, of Friday Night Lights in Odessa Permian, was on the sidelines. Tell us, Bobby, why Booby Miles decided to come see the Strong Greyhounds play. Well, you know, they couched it as Friday Night Lights meets Texas Six. Uh, you know, if anyone, surely all of you know what Friday Night Lights is. Well, that was about Booby Miles. And so Booby Miles had binge watched six Texas six and he fell in love with coach Lee and the Greyhounds and he was just dying to see them play and so he ended up on the sidelines Friday night and I think he had a really good time there were lots of pictures of him and he was just smiling from ear to ear so um that was a really neat thing for the strong Greyhounds that that is awesome uh, I know you said you met a man uh, named Jamar Washington from Arlington, who's a student at Angelo State, who's fallen in love with six man. Oh, yes. You know, shout out to Jamar. It was it was a pleasure to meet you, Jamar. Uh, he, you know, is a, just a diehard sports guy. And when he went to Angelo, he was looking for 11 man games to watch. And, you know, that's only central and Lakeview. And then it goes down to Brady, you know, and Eden. And, and then he saw all these six man schools and he thought, well, what's this about? So he started going and watching it. And he said, he's a full convert. He <laughs> loves six man so much that he's gone. He's all his extra time. He's gone to watch six man games. He's been to all the playoff games. And he absolutely loves it. 
So Jamar, welcome to the six man family. Uh, he has emailed us before he listens to our podcast. He told me, and that's why he emailed. So keep emailing and we'll see you soon somewhere down the road. That, that is awesome. So a shout out to Jamar and uh, good to see a, con- a convert. And doesn't mean I, I think people get lost in this. Just because you love six man doesn't mean you, you can't love 11 man too. Well, the problem is, is a lot of 11 man people are like, oh, six man's not football. No, that, that's all wrong. Go watch a good six man game and you'll get your mind changed in a hurry. Yeah, he said he was at the May and Water Valley game and he was just he was just so happy. He said it was a great game. And he actually said that, you know, 11 man is is very boring to watch for him now. Now that he's uh, been turned on to six man. So welcome, Jamar Washington. If you see him out there, guys, uh, give him a high five. Welcome him into the six man community. (laughs) Definitely. And then a final note we've got out of Dublin this weekend. I know that uh, your photographer, Dency, uh, ran across one of the uh, officials who happened to be an ex-player from Sands. Yes, we see him every once in a while. And he saw Dency and he ran across the field and he hugged her. Uh, so um, shout out to Dayton Edelman from Sands. I remember watching him play when he was uh, in high school. Yeah, he was a very good athletic player. So when he went to San Angelo, he decided to start officiating and he has worked his way up and he was calling a state semifinal game. So good for you, Dayton, and keep up the good work. That's impressive. And I love to see uh, people coming in and officiating because, man, we need officials so, so bad. So many games this year got moved to Thursday nights because they just didn't have enough officials in any of the chapters calling. No, they didn't. Um, and there are some that some officials we see, you know, week after week after week, and some of them we know. And um, it's really great to see the young kids who you watched play get out, start officiating, and, um, and you know, really, really do well at it. And Dayton's a really good official. I think more six man kids need to get out there when they go to college, you know, it brings in good money. If you've played the game, then you know, that side of it. And then you can learn the officiating side of it and that will help you going forward. Totally agree with you. Well, before we leave football, let's wrap up here. Let's talk real quickly and we'll get into more depth next Sunday night as we talk about the state final games, but let's start in division two. Motley County and Strawn, and I'll be honest with you, I think I know who I'm going to pick, but man, talk about a toss-up of a game. Yeah, um, I think this year that's it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one because Strawn has to contend with the speed of Richards and DeGan and just the pure discipline of the Motley County Matadors, and then Motley County Matadors will have to prepare or try to prepare for all of the weapons that the Greyhounds have. I mean, they just got a whole arsenal and I mean, it's ridiculous how many weapons they have and they could just fire away at any time. That's impressive. So that game next Wednesday, not this coming Wednesday, next Wednesday, December 15th, two o'clock 
Uh, they're at AT&T Stadium. You can go to UIL.com to get more information and tickets, what have you. The first game is the Division One game at 11 a.m., and that pits the May Tigers, who we talked to Coach Steele a little bit earlier, and the Westbrook Wildcats. You know, to me, when you just look at both of the teams, you know, just, just look at their physicality, they, they look very similar. And I think that they play very similar. Again, they're going to have to stop. May Tigers going to have to stop Cedric Ware. They're just going to have to. And then <laughs> on the flip side of that, Westbrook's going to have to figure out how to deal with Williford and Caden Hawk and all these other May Tigers. Uh, so I think that May has a few more weapons um, sitting in, you know, sitting back, just like Coach Still was saying, he can run different people in and out, which he did, which was great because the one thing that I, I noticed is that after Williford or Caden Hawk or someone had a really good play, he'd get them out for for a little bit to rest and then put them back in, and he always had someone who could go right in and take their place and do uh, a really good job. So, you know, Westbrook may not have as many people on the sidelines as may does who can just come in and make an impact immediately depth can make a huge difference in these ball games i'll tell you what i want to see and and they need to do this i don't know maybe they do it after the the division two game or maybe they do it right after the division one game let's go a special event we'll, we'll do it as pay-per-view and it's going to be 10 rounds oklahoma drill avery williford versus jimmy roberts i'll pay to see that one <laughs> I know. Wow. I know that would, that would be quite something, but you know, you stand up next to Williford. I'm not a tiny person <laughs> and I felt little, I mean, this kid is just a hoss. Oh my gosh. He's a big boy well, and, and it's all him, muscle. I mean, yeah, and, and I told you, Jimmy Roberts looked big on film. He looked bigger in person. <laughs> yeah. And he ran that he, way too. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, you just can't get in their way because if you do, you're just going to end up, you know, knocked flat of your back. Yeah, those two teams, that's going to be a slobber knocker, a good old-fashioned slobber knocker. That's what that's going to be. And I promise you, Coach Steele and Coach Matlock would not have it any other way. Of course. <laughs> of course. So I think that's a that's an awesome matchup. I cannot wait for both of these games. I think this is going to be the best two state matchups we've had in several years. And so everyone is in for a treat. Oh, I did want to tell you one thing that we did, you know, we've been giving out the helmet stickers to, to tout some of the players around the state um, that we cover. So what we decided to do was each team that made the state championship they got a roll of Texas 1A fan helmet stickers. Awesome. So um, most, you know, the coaches were excited. We did not tell the coaches until we handed it to them and they all seemed very grateful. So all the kids who made it to state, they get a Texas 1A fan sticker. Hopefully they'll have them on their helmets. We're just so extremely grateful that we get to cover these teams. Um, I'll go into this more. I'll have a big thank you for the coaches next week. But as a preview, uh, thank you to all of the towns, the teams, the coaches, the players, 
everybody who welcomes us to cover you. We enjoy it. We love it. It's our passion. And we can't wait for next season. Me as well. So we'll get more into depth into those games uh, next Sunday night. But let's now shift our attention to basketball. And yes, the round ball has been going for a while now. It has. It has been. So let's kind of take a look at the uh, uh, the top 10 for the girls in Class A. Huckabee leads the way at 9-1. and one. Yeah, 10 games already. Hard to believe. Only, <laughs> I know. Uh, through November 29th, Sands 6-1. and one, And the Sands Lady Mustangs are on a roll. Oh, they are. They This last Tuesday, they beat 6A Friendship 40-30. to 30, And that's not that's not just a flash in the pan because the Friendship Lady Tigers are always very good. So that's so, an impressive victory there for the Lady Mustangs. Uh, Whiteface comes in third, Erion County, McMullen County, Natchez, the Swiftettes of Nazareth at number seven, Highland at eight, Jaden at nine, and Grayford at 10 round out the top 10. Uh, just outside of that, Westbrook, Hermley, uh, Chirino, and Borden County. Oh, and at number 15 is some team called Dodd City. I, I'm sure we've all heard of them as well. The defending state champs. <laughs> <laughs> then you move to the boys' side. And uh, no surprise, text line at the top. Uh, they do have a loss. That was to 5A Pal- Amarillo Paladuro. Calvert is at second. Uh, Grayford third. Erion County, McMullen County round out the top five. And then Dimebox, Lingleville, Rankin, Dodd City, and Nazareth there in the top ten. And just outside of that, Spring Lake Earth, San Perlita, Avenger, Welder, sorry, Wilder, and Torino. Yes, it's going to be um, a battle there. Look at all those teams. I know that McMullen County, I've, I've been watching Twitter. And thank you to all the teams in Region 4 who's been tagging us because we do want those scores. We want to see how you're doing. And McMullen has been doing a fabulous job. It seems like this past weekend while I was in Dublin and you were at your, at, you know, the happy Westbrook game, there were a lot of basketball tournaments going on. There were. A lot of these teams went to large school tournaments, like we're playing five and six A schools, which is impressive. No, it is. And, you know, it's funny because in class A, you have the ability to be much more successful against higher, uh, you know, two A, three A, four A teams because you only need five players at any one time on the court. And I think that makes a big difference. Um, you know, a lot of times people go, well, six-man teams couldn't play football against a 2A division one. Well, you're right, because we don't have enough players. When it comes to basketball, those scales get evened out a lot, and that's why you see teams like Textline playing 5A teams, Sands playing 6A teams. They can compete at that level depending on how good your team is. That's right. Uh, one thing that kind of surprised me is, you know, Rock Springs was really, really good at boys basketball last year, and I know they lost several uh, seniors to graduation. They've been, they haven't done very well this year. So I'm kind of wondering uh, if they're just rebuilding this year or what's going on. But um, one good thing about basketball is depending on the size of your district, how many teams are in your district, that dictates when you begin district play. And there are some teams like we talked about last week that have eight teams in a district so they have 14 district games there are several in region four 
I believe, let's see, there's, there's a few that start so they can have some open dates, one or two open dates within the district kind of to rest or to play a non-district opponent. But, you know, today's Sunday. In two days, there are some districts that are beginning district play. D yeah, Tuesday, December 7th. No, it, it's crazy. Uh, you know, the district that Happy's in has got seven teams, and they've got that bye week worked in there as well. So Happy finished playing Westbrook Friday night. Guess what you get in two weeks? You start district play, and you got to go all the way up to Tex Line and take on the uh, defending state champion. Oh, my Merry gosh. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. <laughs> that is brutal. It wow. is brutal, and, and that's just how quickly these things – the deeper you go into the playoffs, I think people don't realize, and you see this happen a lot, those teams that go deep in the playoffs oftentimes have pretty good basketball teams as well because it's the same athletes. But when your district starts that soon and you go deep in the football playoffs, there's just not much time for a conversion there. And uh, Happy's one of those. You know, there's a lot. Westbrook is ranked 24th in the state. They still haven't uh, rolled the round balls out there at Westbrook yet. So, you know, it, it I know. things like yeah, things like that happen, but yeah, Happy gets text line on a Friday, and then they turn around on that Tuesday and they get uh, Will Dorado, and I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure Coach Beckner and Coach Copley feel no pity for the Happy Cowboys, but you see that in a lot of these districts. That's exactly what you're talking about. Some of these larger districts, district already gets started before Christmas is ever around. Yes, and another thing I've noticed because you know I'm a glutton for punishment, so. I go out and find all the district schedules of all the 1A teams. Your district, District 30, District 3, where Happy, Hartley, Nazareth, Texline, and Will Dorado also includes Adrian and Channing. They don't have girls' teams this year, um, but they do have boys' teams, yes. I believe. Is that correct? Yes, they that do. That is have, correct. They have boys' teams. The cool thing about your district, which is not the case in any of the other districts I have found, is that your boys and girls start district at the same time. Right. Normally what happens in all the other districts across the state is that the girls begin district, they play two district games, and then the boys join them. And then the boy, the girls end, their last district game is February 11th, and then the boys or no, it's the eighth, actually, for most, except for District 3, your district. <laughs> and then the boys play the last two games district without the girls. So it's a little offset. So the two teams, the girls play on the front end, then the boys play those same two teams on the back end. So it's very interesting looking at all of these district schedules. But I send out a plea now. Please send in your scores. You know, football's coming to an end. We want to highlight some basketball players. Send us your basketball stats uh, for your district games, and we'll start talking about those. You know, district starts Tuesday. So oh, get the God. word out. I know it's, <laughs> it's hard to believe, but in two months, we'll be done with basketball completely for district, and then we'll go right into the playoffs. And you know how quickly that goes. Oh, yeah. It moves quickly. And then we're into uh, your favorite time of the year, track season. Yes, track. I'm telling the, you. The infamous Bobby Brown spreadsheet. Yes, the, the spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs>
you know, if you know the coach, I, I will be pestering coaches. Don't, don't think that I don't. And I just want the information to come to me because that's not the way it goes. I constantly pester people for stats and, and things of that nature and scores. Um, so if you have those kinds of things, send them in Texas one, a fan at gmail.com. We will definitely talk about the players. We do have a uh, basketball player of the week, and it starts now. Uh, and we have a nomination form out there on our website under the basketball link. And we go through those and pick student athletes out, one female and one male each week. And But if we don't get any nominations, we can't award anyone. So, you know, send the nominations in, send the stats, and Craig and I will talk about them and get some more um, player names out there. One thing I had a, okay. So at the, th at the Thursday night game, I ran into coach DeLeon from Spring Lake Earth. And so we were talking about basketball because, you know, Evan is the son and he's really good at basketball. And um, he was talking, I was asking him about the text line game because text line beat him by 17, but he indicated that the score was much closer than that. It was about 10 point spread the whole game. So I was asking him about, you know, I said, what do you think about, we have these helmet stickers, Texas 1A fan helmet stickers for football. What about a basketball with Texas 1A fan on it? I mean, they really don't have anything to stick them on, but I'm sure that they could find someplace like a locker or something. And uh, his assistant coach popped up and said, oh, that's a good idea. So we might be doing that this year as well. I haven't quite thought about it. I've been a little busy this weekend. So all you folks listening out there, send us your thoughts. Remember, you can email us at any time. Jamar Washington did. Follow his lead. Uh, send us stories. Send us feel-good stuff. And we'll talk about it on the podcast. Well, Bobby. That wraps it up. We're headed to the state finals in a week and a half. Until then, I'm Craig Spree with Happy Sports Network and PressPassSports.com. I'm Bobby Brown, Texas 1A fan. Send your stuff in and always remember, go forward and do good. <laughs>